1: All of you have had failed expectations, especially if you have children, you know what failed expectations are like. If you're married, you know what failed expectations are like. If you've ever been born, you know what failed expectations are like, everybody, because there's always people around that are going to let us down. And we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to show you in, in scripture that we actually see this in the Christmas story. And, and it's found in Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 18, and I'm going to kind of stop along the way and give you some insight as we study this portion of Scripture, and then we go right into the application. So this is Matthew chapter 1, verse uh, 18. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, and here, here we have the first clue in this, but before they came together... She was found to be pregnant before they came together, before their relationship was consummated. Before that, they had a big shock that she was pregnant through, the Bible says, through the Holy Spirit. And that's significant. We'll teach that about at a later date. But it says this in verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, so Mary was not only... uh, uh, in great standing with God, but so was Joseph. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace, and he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So, so there was something that happened here in their relationship that caught both of them absolutely off guard, and it wasn't just Joseph caught off guard, but obviously Mary was caught off guard. And if you look in Luke chapter 1, we see kind of who Mary is as a person. Like Luke describes Mary a little bit more in depth in her response to the news about being pregnant through the Holy Spirit and giving birth to Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. We find in Luke chapter 1 that 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 Mary is known as someone who is pure. She, she has purity in her life. She has devotion in her life. She's devoted to the things of God. And and in her response, we also see that she is a young woman of faith. And everybody, she was just a teenager, a a very young teenager. And, And there's some debates about that, about how old that she was. But most theologians agree that she was somewhere around 13, 14, 15 years old. So she was a very young teenager. And this was normal in those days. And so here she is, she's... Like all young brides at this day, she had been betrothed to someone, and she had an expectation that hey, I'm going to get married. I'm, I'm going to marry this man, and this is what our life is going to be like. And like every bride of, of, of just like today, Mary was no different. She had dreams. She had goals. There there were ceremonies that that were going to take place that were very special ceremonies in this generation. And she finds out that she's pregnant. And, and what, what she must have felt at that, the heartache, the, 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 not just the surprise, but hey, what happened to my dreams? What happened to my, 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 my view of what was going to happen on our wedding day? And how are people going to see me? And there had to be this shock in her. And, and I wonder if there wasn't, even though she responded in purity and responded in faith, Surely she had some expectations that she found out were not going to be met. Think about this. Before she had ever been with a man, she was already going to give birth to a child. Think about that. Think about how mentally you would would be rocked by that news. And so so I believe she was too. She, 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 she obeyed the Lord. She responded in faith. She called herself blessed and highly favored, and she certainly was. She was agreeing with the Lord. In fact, we'll talk more about that next week. And yet, I think there's some expectations here that she knew her life was never going to be the same. And what she had planned, what she had thought was going to take place, isn't actually what was taking place. And then, then you have Joseph, who was obviously very shocked himself, and he was going to divorce her quietly. He was going to do the right thing. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, and so he was just going to bow out of it very quietly. But think about his emotions. That, hey, I, I, I was supposed to be with you, and you were a great young lady, and you're you're pure, and you're devoted, and I am too, and I thought that we would be together forever, and now you go and do this? How many know that's a failed expectation? Now watch, watch what happens in verse 20, but after he had considered this, Joseph that is, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to, Mar- to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That, let me stop right there. So he has this failed expectation that he's struggling with and the angel comes in and tells him exactly what's happening. Can I tell you, everybody, that when you face failed expectations in this life, you will not always have an explanation to those failed expectations. That there won't be an angel that will show up and tell you, after all, th- we're talking about the Son of God. You know, We're talking about the coming of the Messiah. That's a pretty big deal. Now, in your world, when you have failed expectations, I highly doubt that an angel is going to come to you or come to you in a dream and say, oh, by the way, I know you expected that, but here's what's really going on. It just doesn't happen like that, everybody. But watch what watch what it, the, the word says in, in verse 22. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Here's what he said in verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, verse 25, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. How many know that's a failed expectation of a honeymoon night right there, everybody? He didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to Jesus, and he gave him the name of Jesus. I want to break right, right in here. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something that I, I feel is appropriate and, and right to talk about, especially in today's generation. And I, I think this is interesting that we read in the Christmas story that 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 Joseph of course had to Joseph had to, to endure his honeymoon without consummation. Everybody get what I'm saying? He, meaning he had a failed expectation. Like, have you ever known a teenage boy who wasn't ready to fulfill his curiosity? How many know what I'm talking about when I say that? All right. In fact, not just boys, but girls as well. They just want to know. They have hormones, everybody. And it's just, it's just the way God created us. It's very natural. And it's meant to be beautiful within the confines of marriage. And can I tell you? Very few people in today's generation are waiting until their honeymoon night. And I just want to address this. Can I address this? Can I address this? This is an issue in the church today because they believe, they have believed a lie that it's okay to have sex before you're married. And the Bible is very clear that it's a sin. In fact the Bible calls it this word fornication and the biblical definition of fornication is anything anything that happens sexually outside of the marriage bed so it's not just premarital sex it's anything that happens outside anything sexually that happens outside of the marriage bed and you think well why is that wrong why is that and i think what's happening new song i think what's happening are are there their parents that don't know how to explain or or why premarital sex especially is wrong maybe they're not te- maybe you're not teaching your children this in my family we are we we, we it's no holds barred in our family we talk about everything everybody because i need to train my children in the way in which they should go that's what i'm called to do and so i teach them about these things and you need to teach your children about these things too, and you need to embrace things, these things too. So why is it wrong? Why is it wrong? First of all, the Bible says that this level of sexual immorality, it, it's, it's a sin. Let's, let me say it this way. It's impure in the eyes of God, and it should be impure to us because, everybody, if it's, if it's wrong to lie because God is truth and it's wrong to hate because God is love, then sexual immorality is wrong because God is pure. Do you see it? Because God is pure. Let me, let, me, let me share with you a quote that I have for you this morning. It says, fornication represents a Christ, listen to this, a Christ who uses his church without permanently joining with her in covenant to himself. And so here we are as believers, so glad that Jesus has joined with us as his church. He's made, we're, like, we are in covenant with Jesus, and we know that he's faithful to us, and he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's going to be true to his word and to his promises. And if it was something else, if you felt like Jesus was just using you without being in covenant with you, you wouldn't feel right about that. You would say, whoa, something's wrong with that. You're, God, you're just using me. How many knows that as, as children of God, he doesn't just use us. He's in covenant relationship with us. He loves us. He's given himself to us completely. And, and I, I want to say this, everybody. I, I, in fact, let, let's let's do something. I didn't know if I was going to do this or not, but I will. We got plenty of time. First Corinthians, I want you to go to the book of First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter six. Now I'm going to read a portion of scripture to you in First Corinthians chapter six. That that I, I want I want to just point out some things in verse 15. Let me explain it even a little bit more. Do you not know? That your bodies, new song is children of God. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Think about that. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. You're like, well, what's all this talking about? Well, here we go. Verse 18. So so flee from sexual immorality. That's the context of this verse. So when you abstain from fornication, from sexual immorality, when you abstain from that, that is is an act of worship to God. Let me say it this way, that when you abstain from sexual immorality, from sexual sin, that you are actually honoring God with your body. now, Now listen to me, listen to me. And when you honor God, God honors you. Meaning this, when you give your best to God, I promise you he'll give his best to you. He will. And I would challenge you. And I don't know I I don't know if you're saying, oh, well, he's saying this because I'm in the room. No, I'm not. I, I don't I didn't know who was gonna be in the room. I'm, I have nobody in mind when I'm preaching this. I promise you. I'm just teaching the word of God. And this is something that I believe the church in America needs to teach. And if right now, if you're in a relationship and you are not married with that person, I would encourage you to do this, to flee from sexual immorality, to stop. And I want you to come to us and talk to us about it. And I promise you this, everybody, I promise you this. We are here to help you. We are not here to condemn you. We are here to help you. We are not here to condemn you. Let me say it this way. 99.9% of the people in this room have, in, have been involved in a sexual sin at least once. We are nobody to judge. You should have said amen to that. But it's too embarrassing, isn't it? But I'll amen myself, everybody, amen. That we've all failed in this area. And so if you come to us and say, hey, we need help. Hey, we, we, we've been messing up. Hey, I didn't know this. What what am I supposed to do? What what, what does God want from me? Just come and talk to us, and we will help you. We will not condemn you. And I want to encourage you to, to all of the younger people, the younger generation in this room, stay pure. Stay pure. Do not give yourself to someone until your honeymoon night. It'll be more... It'll be one of the most precious gifts that you could ever give your spouse. Now, I need somebody to say amen to that because you know that's true. And a lot of you have regret because you didn't wait. And I'm going to tell you something that Jesus purifies and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So you say, well, I've messed up. What do I do now? Confess it and then thank God for his mercy and his grace and embrace the fact that you have been made new. But don't go back to it. Don't go back to it. Be free from it in the name of Jesus. That's a good word for us. It's a good word for this nation. It's a good word for this world, everybody. Because sexual purity is something that we need to talk about in the church. So, hey, we just did. There we go. Now, that was actually not planned by me until last night as I was... As I was just going through my notes and saying, God, do you really want me to talk about this? And I really felt the Holy Spirit say, yes, I want you to talk about this. But God, I don't want to talk about this. This is not what I had planned for today. And and how many know you have a pastor who wants to be obedient to the Holy Spirit? And so I've done my job. Now your response is your responsibility. I, I can't respond for you. That's your response. It's your response. So flee from sexual immorality. Flee from fornication. And do what's right. Honor the Lord with our bodies. Let's do that, all right? Let's do that for the glory of his name and for our benefit too. Because when we honor God, he honors us. Now, let's go back to the heart of this. We have Mary and we have Joseph who have both experienced failed expectations. What they thought was going to happen is not what's happening. And we have a lot of people in this room that you have struggled with failed expectations, what you thought was going to happen, what you were sure about, what you were convinced of, what you expected somebody else to give or to say or to do, you have been let down, and we all fall into this category. And I want to show you some reasons for failed expectations. Are you ready for this? Write these things down, the reasons for failed expectations. The first one is they're just formed without conscious effort. They're just formed without conscious effort that you 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 are experiencing failed expectations sometimes that you formed without even trying to form them that you never had this thought well i just fully expect you never had that thought but then all of a sudden somebody does something or doesn't do something and you realize you just had a, you had an unconscious expectation that it was going to get done and now you're disheartened you're 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 disappointed you're discouraged but you didn't even know that you were expecting it until it was too late, until they didn't do what you just unconsciously expected them to do. The second one is the reasons for failed expectations. This goes to a lot of married people out there, uh, that, that you have expectations of your spouse, but you haven't shared those expectations, that those expectations are not shared. You, ha- you just haven't gone to them and say, you know what, honey, it just would really mean the world to me. That if you could do this, if, if you know, I, I always just thought that we were going to do this together, then I think, okay, so let's just play this an example. Well, I've, 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 I've had uh, spouses come to me and say, well, I, I just want my spouse, I want us to have devotions together. Is that so much to ask? And I would say, I don't know. Have you asked? Well, no. Well, why haven't you asked? Because he or she might just say, okay, like no big deal. So you have an expectation, but you haven't shared it. And now you're mad at somebody when they don't know that you're that why like, well, why is she so upset? I haven't done anything. Well, they have in their minds, they haven't done anything because you never shared your expectation. Now that, but don't stop there though. Because then all of a sudden we get in this world. Well, if I share my expectation, they better do it. No. That doesn't work either. Because watch this, everybody, the reason for failed expectations. Sometimes they're not realistic, or they're not agreed upon. They're not realistic, or they're not agreed upon. So sometimes you have an expectation. Well, this is my expectation. I shared it with you. You should know by now. And your spouse is thinking, well, I never agreed to that. Just because you expected it doesn't mean that I agreed to it. Like, we we never resolved that. Or, or what about one that's just not realistic? I had I had a wife come in several years ago. Now she came in and she's like, uh, "Why my husband is just letting me down." And and I, I said, "Why? What?" She said, "I ju- I just asked him if we could just pray and study the Bible together every every day, morning or night, his choice. I just wanted to study the Bible and pray with him every day." And I looked at this this dear lady and I said, "But your husband isn't a Christian." Think about that. Your husband is not a Christian. You have an expectation that he's going to behave like a Christian when he's not one. That's an unrealistic expectation. Some of you just need to let this sink in for a second. Why do we, let me ask you a question. Why do we expect non-Christians to act like Christians? When they're when they don't know Christ, why do we expect them? Like my my children would come to me oftentimes when they're growing up. So and so, did you hear that we'd be at Walmart? Did you hear them? They said a bad word. Like yeah yeah, not everybody's a Christian, and and some some people who are Christians they still slip up every now and then. So so why do we put our expectations on other people? Well, I wouldn't do that. So why are you? You know, or I would do this. Why aren't you? Well. Well, some of those expectations are just unrealistic. Am I getting through to some people here in this room? Because I guarantee you there's some people right here, right now, in this room, listening online, that you have put, you have put unrealistic expectations on someone else. And you, you can't do that. Because they're not the ones that are going to live an angry life. It's going to be you. You're going to be miserable for unrealistic expectations. And it's, it's a terrible way to live life. This is the fourth one the circumstances that are just out of your control, you have failed expectations and nobody's to blame. It just, you just say, well, why did that happen? And and, and the the idea is the truth is it was just out of your control. It was just out of your control. There's nothing that you could have done. It was just circumstances. So those are just some of the reasons for failed expectations. And a lot of you, as as I've been saying these things, a lot of you have said, oh, ooh, ooh, pastor, that's that's uh, that's me. Like uh, I, I haven't shared it or I didn't even know I was expecting that. But sure enough, I, I have been and I I never even thought about that before. Or, yeah, I've been I, my expectations are just unrealistic or, or my spouse or my child. They just haven't they haven't been agreeable. And this is what it causes in your life, everybody. Here are the results, the results of failed expectations. The first one is what I've seen in the lives of people is just ungratefulness. People just become ungrateful. They have failed expectations. People are letting them down. And all of a sudden, the world is caving in around them. All of a sudden, the world is terrible. Life is so bad because somebody is letting you down and what what i'm what i'm telling you is you still have reasons to be grateful but you have embraced ungratefulness because somebody is letting you down and you you you're not realizing the full blessings of the lord on your life let let me tell you how good god is to us my wife and i we had a great laugh the other day i mean this is just this is so true and this is so transparent you're going to think wow my pastor is just well, what was he thinking? Okay. And so the true story, <laughs> true story, uh, my wife, she, she wanted new towels, like bath towels. And, and we had literally been using the bath towels that we've had. I, the, the bath towels we had, we, we got for our, as a wedding present from my uncle, from my uncle Paul. And that was 22 years ago. And we're still using those towels. We were still using them. Finally, my wife said, I've had enough. Like, I'm going to get some new towels. How many know after 22 years you probably should get some new towels, right? And so, uh, so we get these new towels, and 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 I'm I'm drying off with this new towel, and I, I told my wife I said I hate this towel. I said I said this towel is so soft it feels like the water isn't drying you like it like the water's not coming off because this towel is so soft. Well, my wife's like, oh, the towel is so soft, you know, like <laughs> like how many know that's we call it in our house that's a first world problem, everybody. That's a. This, my towel is too soft, everybody. It's just too soft. And, 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 and isn't it easy? Isn't it easy? Isn't it easy to be ungrateful in our lives? Isn't it easy? And you know, my wife, she just lives to make me grateful, everybody. She just sets me straight. She's like, you will be grateful. And so, no, I'm just, she's not like that at all. I have the best wife in the world. We did have a great laugh like first world problem. You know, people in Haiti, they don't care about their towels being too soft or too, they're just grateful to have one. So a lot of you embrace just an ungrateful life because you're focused on the failed expectations, but you're not focused on the blessings of God. That'll preach to you right there. The second thing is anxiety, anxiety. A lot of you just, you're anxious about it. It has become the focal point of your life, so much so that you are living an anxious life. You're living a life of anxiety. You're living a life that is tense, that you can't relax and you can't laugh and and you you can't live life to the fullest because you're focusing on somebody else's failures. And sometimes, can I just be honest with you, as I said before, sometimes they're not at fault. Sometimes they don't even know you're expecting it. Sometimes you haven't shared it with them. Sometimes they're just unrealistic, and that person might not even be at fault, but that person is causing you, you think, just to be anxious. You're just so focused on the wrong thing that you're living an anxious life. The next one, and this is just, I've just seen these develop in the lives of people. Severe disappointment, write that down, just disappointment. I just live a life of disappointment. My wife and I, many many years ago, she she shared something with me that broke my heart, and I've shared this with you before, and and uh, and and both of us were just dealing with some things in our life, not not even just in our marriage life, married life, but just in life in general. Again, this is this is a long time ago. And she said, you know, I've I've never, I've, I've just learned not to expect anything from you that way. I'll never be disappointed. And that was her way of saying, I'm just living a life of disappointment because what I what I thought we were going to be like and what I thought life was going to be like, it's just not. It's just not. And in it, isn't it interesting that in her severe disappointment, she was saying, have just learned my life not to I've just learned in life not to expect anything, then I won't be disappointed. But if you're saying that, the truth of the matter is you're already disappointed. You're already disappointed. You're already living a life of disappointment. It, meaning, this—it's already too late. You're already there. And I knew in that moment that I had—I had some things in, our, in my life, and we had some things in our marriage that we just had to fix. And by the grace of God, we—we uh, are—we have a great marriage now. By the grace of God. So disappointment then leads to—write this down—leads to anger. Disappointment leads to anger. So, so disappointment is. It's that depression and that discouragement, but if you don't watch out, that depression and discouragement will turn into anger where all of a sudden you're just mad. Like, are they ever going to get this right? Are they ever going to? Are they? Can't they just, you're going to say phrases like that and you're going to, going to be so full of anger. And it doesn't stop there. The anger oftentimes turns into resentment. I just don't even want to be with you anymore. I just, I, I just, I don't even want to be around you. I, I, can't even look at your face. You just make me sick. And maybe you're not even verbally saying that out loud, but you're saying it in here, and it's resentment. And there's the, there's a path to resentment, everybody. And it, and it goes through ungratefulness, and then and then anxiety. And then disappointment, and then anger, and all of a sudden it develops into full-blown resentment. Like, I, I don't I don't want to spend the rest of my life with you. I just want you out of the picture now. I'm just done. I'm just done with you. And that's a dangerous place to be. And so when you're dealing with failed expectations, you have to catch it at the beginning. You, you can't let it keep growing in your life because it If it grows in your life, it will destroy your life and will destroy the life of others. You can't let you listen, new song, you cannot let this grow in your life. You have to stop it. You say, Well, how do I stop it? Well, here are the responses to failed expectations. You ready for this? So simple, so simple. I'm telling you, it's application. The responses to failed expectations. The first one is focus on your blessings. Just focus on your blessings. I, you wouldn't believe how many people I've, I've talked to. In fact, can I, I'm just going to be honest with you. The, the people who struggle with this the most in life are, are often wives. Men don't deal with this as often as, or maybe as deeply as ladies do. Uh, That's just what I've seen from 25 years of counseling, of of just helping people. And and I would would encourage you that all of us, all of us, all of us, all of us need to live lives that focus on our blessings. So oftentimes I've, I've had talks with wives and I'll say, they're like, well, he just never blah, 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 blah okay, and I, and I'll I just and I'll let them I'll just let them talk. I'll let them get because sometimes the best counselor is just just a, a sounding board. You just need to get it out. And and so in, in counseling, we we uh and I say this all, all the time, we we uh uh we, we just listen intently. We are active listeners. Um when, when you're talking, I'm not thinking about what I'm about to say. I'm just listening. I'm just letting you I'm just letting you talk. But oftentimes at the end of that. I'll just say, okay, you, you've given me the five things that you really can't stand about your husband. And, and probably a lot of those times it's true. There's sometimes like, yeah, eh, that's, yeah, he shouldn't do that. But now I want you to tell me what's good about it. Well, well, pastor, that's not what I'm here for. Oh yeah, it is what you're here for. You wanted counsel, right? You you, you want, you want to you want to live a better life, so tell me what, what what's he good at. And you know, almost all the time, the, the, one of the first things that a, a wife will say is, well, he keeps us safe. I, f- I feel like he protects us. Like, I, I know that he would take a bullet. I, I know that he would give his life for us. Like, oh, that's pretty big, if you ask me. Isn't that pretty big to you? Well, yeah, it's pretty big. Well, tell me something else. Well, he's a great provider. He works really hard. Well, boy, that sounds like something awesome. Because not every not every wife has a husband that provides. That's pretty big, isn't it? Y- yeah. So you have a place to sleep? Yeah. You like your home? Yeah. You have enough food? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And what I'm doing is I'm not correcting them, I'm getting them to focus on their blessings for a moment because they've been so focused on the awful the failed expectations, that they they fail to realize that they have, they have reason to give thanks. And I would tell all of you in this room, you have reason to give thanks. Life might not be perfect, but can I tell you something? You still have reason to give thanks. If you slept in a bed last night, you have reason to give thanks. If you ate, Breakfast this morning, if you had a cup of hot chocolate, you've got reason to give thanks to everybody. God is good. If you're sitting in this room today, you have reason to give thanks. Lots of reasons to give thanks. So focus on your blessings. That that doesn't mean, well, that doesn't fix him, Pastor. That doesn't fix her, Pastor. I'm not saying about fixing them. I'm talking about fixing you first. I'm talking about fixing you first. I'm not saying that that your I'm not saying that your grateful heart is going to fix anything outside of you, but it'll help you. It, it'll help straighten some things out in your life. And then the second thing I, I tell them is focus on your blessings, and then I want you to communicate. But I want you to do it in love, and I want you to do it in grace. I want you to go to that person, and if you need me in the room, that's fine. That's what I'm here for. I'll be in the room with you, but I want you to communicate those expectations to them, but I want you to do it in love and in grace. I don't want you to yell. I I don't want you to get angry with them. I, I, I don't want you to use words that you shouldn't use. I want you to look at them and say, you know what, honey, I love you. I'm glad that, that we got married, but there's some things in our marriage, there's some things in our life that I really think I, I could just use some help on. And I'm, I'm wondering if you could help me by and then fill in the blank. Could you just do this? Now, now I would also say this: when you communicate in love and grace, start small. Start small. Don't, don't, What I'm saying is don't make a list. Okay, well, if you just did all these 10 things in order, I have them written down here. Just live your life. Don't do it like that. Don't do it like that. They're not going to accept that very well. Because all of a the sudden, they're going to look at you like you're narcissistic. They're going to look at like, you like, oh, so the whole world revolves around you. Don't do it like that. Just, Just start with one thing. And then when they do that one thing, brag on them and brag on them and brag on them some more. And give them some hugs and kisses, everybody. Yeah, that's right. Let me say it like this. Let's go. go. Give them even a little bit more than hugs and kisses. Only if you're married. We already talked about that. Only if you're married. (laughs) But show them that you're appreciated. And the more that you honor them, the more that they'll honor you. I'm just telling you, it's how it works. So don't start with a list, start one thing. My wife just years ago, just asked one thing, could you just make the bed in the morning? Well, yeah, I can do that. I still hate it. (laughs) I to that. I I still hate it, but but it, it, and if sometimes if I'm, you know, we're getting up and around and she starts making the bed, I'll just join right in with her. If she starts without me, I'm gonna help her make that, I'm gonna help her make that bed. And it's just a little thing, but I'm telling you... Could I, can I tell you something? That that was something in, in our marriage that was just meaningful to my wife. It was just meaningful to her. To know that I just cared enough to help her make the bed. And then, and then when... I better not say. Just, just start small. Just start small. Start small. Communicate those things in love and in grace. And then number three, rely on God first. Rely on God first. Let me say it this way if your source of happiness is your spouse or your child or your parents or your coworker doing everything that you just expect them to do, something is wrong in your life because all of a sudden your, your supposed happiness is built, upon, is built upon others doing what you want them to do. We don't do that. That's not wise. That we rely on God first. That before my spouse, God is the first love of my life. That he's, he's, he's more to me. He means more to me than my wife means to me. And can I tell you something? That doesn't bother my wife. In fact, she loves that about me. That it's a God-first mentality in my life. Because she knows that when I worship and adore and serve the living God, that I'm a better husband and I'm a better father. It's true. And when you put God first if you're relying on people for joy if you're relying on on somebody else for your happiness you're not going to be very happy in life but in God's presence there's fullness of joy do you receive the word of the Lord today yes or no that's a good word for us would you stand up with me today this is so I'm telling you this is just nothing but application and I want to say this if you are having some issues in your life and you're just struggling with some things, we we have a staff counselor, Dr. Bill Krogel is his name, and one of the one of the most wise men knows the Bible inside and out and loves people, loves people, and it's free of charge as long as you're a member here at New Now let me tell you this: if you say, "Well, my my cousins are going through a divorce," can you can you send, can we send them to, to Dr. Bill? The answer is no. Because we only have enough space for, for the members here at Newsong for Dr. Bill. We, we can't afford to counsel the entire the, the, the entire community. We just can't we don't we, there's not enough time for that. We don't have enough salary space for that. So it's not it's not meant for extended family members. it's meant for you. It, it's meant for you. So take advantage of it. If you need, If you need help in your marriage, take advantage of Dr. Bill. Just call us and say, hey, I need to set up an appointment with Dr. Bill. It will set you up. If it's just a one-time thing, hey, I don't need ongoing counseling. Just, just give me one, just give me an hour. Well, we got staff for that. That, that, that won't be a Dr. Bill thing. That'll just be a, a pastoral staff thing. And we'll help you out with that. That's what we're here for. It's what we love to do. We love helping you live the best life that you can live. In fact, next week, we're going to start a series called Living Your Best Life. Because that's what we want you to we want you to experience, your best life. Let me say it this way. God wants you to experience your best life, and it's always going to be in Him. So take these these principles, apply them to your life. Be grateful, communicate in love and in grace, but always rely on God first. Always rely on God first. He is the source of your joy and your contentment. Can I get an amen to that? And would you open up your hands toward heaven? Heavenly Father, I bless my family today with all of your goodness, all of your grace poured out upon their lives. Give them wisdom. Beyond their years, beyond their experiences, give them wisdom. Give them insight. Give them contentment. Give them hearts that long for you more than anything else in this world. Heal their relationships. Heal their marriages. Heal heal the hearts of their children and their grandchildren. Restore and reconcile, I pray, Father. And I declare over them, Lord, that they will live lives of cheerfulness, lives of joy, because they're learning and have learned to trust in you and to rely on you first. And I bless them with not just the desire, but the discipline to draw near to you. And when they do, I know you'll draw near to them. And I speak that blessing over them. And may 2022 be the best year ever. In Jesus' name, I declare it. Amen.
0: As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org slash connect